Hello and welcome to Coco Pods, a podcast of the Birth Center for Natural Deliveries Foundation. My name is Dr. Bola Sogadi. I'm a women's healthcare specialist. On this podcast, we talk about all the issues relating to maternal health, things that can help a pregnant woman in and around pregnancy achieve a good pregnancy outcome. Today, I'm fortunate to have with me today my very good friend from years back, artist Yvonne Gabriel. And you know, there's also the issue of music therapy. Music. Is, is that, I guess that would fall under some kind of just, you know, a non-traditional, non-medicinal way that women can use to Dance, dance, movement, movement, the release of anxiety. I still do it. Wow. You know, after I've been standing very still in front of a painting and Mm. focusing so hard, I put on, you know, Nigeria's number one. (laughs) 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 And just go to town with it and move around a little bit. There is nothing better than relieve some stress that way, right? Actually, there was a Taiwanese study that showed that amongst the pregnant women who participated in the study, those who listened to music for 30 minutes a day for two weeks saw a reduction in their stress and anxiety. And both the control group, the group that had no changes done in routine care, and the study group, the group that received music therapy, both of them received prenatal care. The study group, however, got to listen to a CD of nature sounds, classical music, or Chinese lullabies. And the control group showed only a reduction of stress. So studies are showing that it does help with stress reduction. You know, just even as an artist, you're able to draw with your painting and then listen to music and that allays fear. So is that something, if you're going to, you know, talk to even, you know, low resource women, just as a non-medicinal way of reducing stress, how would you just talk to them in this fashion? Well, I think all those categories are not fun. You just need to put some Afrobeat in there and <laughs> and get moving. And can you imagine? It's very good when you're pregnant and your baby feels that you are dancing. The endorphins start flowing and the baby in utero starts, you know, we moved around in the water and... So like, oh, mom's having a good time. So I'm having a good time. I mean, I think it all works together that way, you know? Yes. So it needs to be fun. It needs to be fun, you it know? You just need fun. to move around. Yes. Just dance like nobody's watching Watch you and just have fun. I mean, there's only nine months that you get to dance with a big belly like that, you know? Wow, I like that. I like that. Indeed, there are studies that show that, you know, this art and music and dancing, it does release a chemical in the brain including dopamine, and that makes us happier individuals. Exactly. And dopamine is been found to be low in people suffering from anxiety and depression. And also there are studies that explore the use of art therapy in child-mother relationship after birth. It shows that the mother and the whole process brought them closer together by creating more intimacy and engagement. So that even though these processes started when the baby was still inside the mom, after delivery, the process could continue to improve the mother-child 
bond and relationship. Is that something you say? Well, I think if you are, yeah, yeah, if you are happy enough to find some time every day to dance, then you will continue. You're not going to stop that once your baby is born. You know, if you are like inclined to search positive outlets for your anxiety, then you have good problem solving skills and you will continue to do that after your child is born. Yeah, most definitely. And I think, you know, it can't be good for the baby, all this anxiety. I mean, as it gives like, uh, you know, good endorphins, also the bad chemicals will perhaps affect the state of mind of the baby as I have no idea you talk about that. (laughs) You know what I mean? But it can't be good. If the mother's anxious and stressed all the time, that can't be good for the baby. Right. Some of your work touch on issues of distortion and reflection. Mm -hmm. In one of such works labeled water, Mm -hmm. we see somewhat of a human figure in water. Mm -hmm. While the human figure gives the viewer a point of identification, it merely served in that painting as a source of distortion to its environment, the water. So both water and the human figure affect each other in a new and chaotic way. So, and I think the same of childbearing women in the snapshot of the nine-month period that you've said, or several snapshots of several nine-month periods, mm-hmm. that a current pregnancy occurs in an existing environment of a woman's life, mm-hmm. okay? Right. She's living life, she's just pregnant. So tell us, please, about this, your painting, Water, and can you draw a parallel of how our surroundings or particular life situations can create either chaos or distort truth as it could possibly relate to a pregnant or peripartum woman? Right. So I think the parallel lies in the fact that when you enter the water, we have a certain self-image. When you start looking at what water does to that image, it distorts it. It distorts it. As the water keeps fluxing, that image keeps changing. Now, scientifically, the image that you see in the mirror is correct. But, you know, through the laws of refraction, the image that is produced by the water is also correct. My point is that one issue can have two different realities. And it all depends where you come from. Two things can be true at the same time. It all depends where you come from. Are you out of the water or are you in the water? And that changes that point. So I think there's a lot of discourse right now. But my point is that two things can be true at the same time, depending on where you come from, what reality is true for you. And so when it comes to pregnant women, yes, you're definitely going in the water when you're pregnant. (laughs) (laughs) You got a little bag of water and there's a whole new life coming there. And so, you know, your body image changes and your whole outlook on the future changes. And you were this one individual kind of living for your own future before you got pregnant. And all that changes, your whole outlook on life, your whole perspective changes, your relationship with your partner changes, your finances changes, your housing may change, your whole self-image of what you thought of who you were may change. You know, you were this independent, free-flying bird, and all of a sudden you are going to be tied down by many obligations, many responsibilities, many things that will get a hold on you and, you know, 
in a certain sense, take away your freedom. So yes, that is definitely a big change, a big change in a woman's life. And you're definitely entered the water and your self-image is going through much self-reflection and through many, many changes as if you are. And, you know, I think it's a natural process. I think in some way God equips us to, through our hormone changes and, you know, to deal with that process. It is a natural process after all. So even though we do feel anxiety about it and many things change, we have to have faith that we will be equipped to handle that, that our body prepares our mind to handle these changes that are ahead of us. Wow. Wow. What a deep answer. You know, thank you. Also, a recent report showed results that low-income students, including women, who were highly involved in the arts performed better. They stayed in school longer, they scored higher in math assessments, and they were more likely to graduate high school, attend college, find stable environment, employment, perform volunteer work in their communities, and vote. How can art programs in the community provide multiple services and opportunities in terms of gainful employment, be a platform of expression for the voiceless, like we talked about, create beauty and hope amidst poverty and blight. How can it provide awareness to uh, suffering? How can it galvanize donors and philanthropists and allow others to advocate for those who cannot advocate for yourself? And I know that you've done work in making Georgia with the programs that targeted particular at-risk population, and the population included women, young and old, and Part of your work has provided opportunities and spaces of expression that they would never otherwise have had access to. So, you know, just how can just a community art program open the world to all these things? It can definitely bridge people that would normally not get in touch with each other. For example, Macon Arts Alliance is very active in East Macon. They do a phenomenal job in That's that part Macon. of town. Art Alliance. Macon Arts Alliance is really trying to help in East Macon to renovate the homes there and to have art programs in the community center that will bring the people together and form a sense of community. I did a painting program there with the ladies of the neighborhood and they were painting huge self-portraits to just reflect on how they see themselves. And it was accompanied by a poem. And boy, did some poetry come out of that group. That was unbelievable. It was so good. So the painting led to poetry as another form of expression. Yes, yes. The painting had to be accompanied by a poem. And so I had an English professor from Mercer come, Dr. Margaret Eskew, came and helped us out with the poetry part. And they made these big self-portrait. So, you know, in the process of creating a self-portrait, you have to think about yourself. You have to think, how do I see myself? How do I represent myself? What do I wear? How do I do my hair? What is the expression in my eyes? So it gave these ladies some time to think just about themselves because they have so many responsibilities and so many problems to deal with. But again, it was the sense of community that drew them there every week. And established a sense of community and some self-reflection in their poetry, which was powerful. 
they brought a different poem every week. And so we sat in a circle and read those poems. And there was tears, there was laughter. It was just so amazing. I felt so privileged to be part of that. But at the end of that series, at the end of those workshops, we organized a, an art show at the Make an Arts Alliance. And so the ladies got an opportunity. Well, actually, there were some young men there as well. They got the opportunity to see their work in a gallery. Their poem was there. They got to read their poem. And of course, then the audience came in. And so they got to communicate with each other. They got to hear from each other. The visitors interacted with people that they normally would have never met. And it's shown a light on what the wonderful stuff is that Make an Arts Alliance is trying to do. And it it motivates people to give more and to get involved and to do more. And it was just a beautiful event. Wow. Yeah, you know, just talking about giving more and, you know, at the Bird Center Foundation, we are also trying to use our forum to use it, the arts, to advocate for pregnant and impoverished, you know, to provide visibility to these issues and to be a platform for agency to effect change and bring help. And then we hope that through our mission at our foundation, we can attract philanthropists that can help fund projects specific to pregnant women needing such support. Mm -hmm. So Yvonne, you have used your art to provide visibility for need for financial supporters for this cause. And also as a philanthropist yourself, what is that process in which we can use art to attract more philanthropy, to help more people that otherwise would not have been seen to do more of such work? You have to find somebody that's willing to put their shoulders under this type of a project. You have to find somebody who's willing to commit their time, their talents to set up, for example, if I would come to you say, Bola, let's start a weekly art group with these ladies. And then who knows, you know, some of them may be very talented. I know of a group with Daybreak in, in another city where this lady put her shoulders under that project and she got some, you know, over the course of the years, they found some very talented homeless painters and they were actually able to sell their art for a good bit of money. So, and then this involves a gallery, this involves a janitor, this involves a caterer, this involves gallery personnel. So it can really blossom into something that makes money and that provides jobs for people. But, you know, you have to have the right person that's willing to say, look, I'm going to apply for this grant because there's lots of grants out there for this type of work, honestly that is willing to apply for the grants and that is willing to say, hey, I'm going to start this. And that's the trick. Wow. Yeah, you talked about just even one project leading to so many things. In indeed, art therapy naturally involves innovation. And art therapy is a non-medication method that creative minds can use to express inner feelings outwardly, help women to relax in their body functions and access difficult emotions, and perhaps to manage stress as they enter yet another stage of life. In an article by Bernadette Goma, where she talked about painting therapy in pregnancy and preparation for childbirth, she noted anthroposophic painting, that is alternative therapy painting, that can strengthen expectant mothers in their soul and spirit and as accompaniment to other treatment. 
the painting therapy has a calming and balancing effect during pregnancy such that mental and emotional processes can be perceived, deepened, or looked at anew through visualization and color perception. Emotions from stressful situations are released, creating space for a farmer bond with the child. It has helped women modify potentially harmful behaviors of smoking or alcohol use in pregnancy. Yvonne, please enlighten us more on this approach. I think when you paint a picture, you take a step back from all the thoughts that are running around in your mind and it forces you to focus on something else and it just uh, a little hiatus from the craziness and by occupying yourself with something relatively simple. As I said, there is no judgment. There's judgment everywhere. In art, there is no judgment. And this is what people feel when they come to a place where they can do art, that there's no judgment. Maybe they themselves are the hardest on themselves. Oh, I can't, I'm not, I'm not artistic. I don't know how to do this. But when you help them overcome that fear and say, it doesn't matter, just make marks, just move your hand and focus with your eyes, what you're doing with your hand. It just is a break from the stress. When it comes to making money, I'm not going to sit here and say that it's easy to make money with art. I think history has proven that it's not easy to make money with art, but there are many different ways. I mean, we don't all have to end up in a in a New York gallery with an amazing contemporary painting. You know what I mean? As I said... Your work needs to end up there for well, sure. <laughs> as I said, you can make Christmas ornaments. You know, now with social media, we have so many ways of advertising the things that we make and the things that we do. You can make greeting cards. It can be that simple. You know, you can do photography and you can put it online and maybe it catches on and maybe it isn't. See, the thing is... Art is a communication. Language is a communication. Some of us are very good at speaking and we can find our way in gainful employment that way. Other people are scientifically blessed and they find their way in the world that way. It depends. You know, I think we communicate in a sense according to which door opens. I was a very shy child and the verbal thing never worked for me. I was too shy. I didn't want anybody to look at me or to talk to me. I just wanted to observe. So the verbal doesn't work for me. I, that's just not my thing. But I found that when I draw something or when I paint something, that door that was previously closed opened. So that became my main source of communication. So I think that when you build up experiences in the world, especially young people, you will find through your experiences which door keeps opening for you. And that is your best form of communication. Because our biggest fear is rejection. Our biggest fear in this life is to be rejection. And we all look for a form of communication that will give us acceptance. And so if you find that you know, the visual thing, in my case, visual communication leads to acceptance, then that will be the path that you follow. If it's medical knowledge that opens that door to acceptance, then that is what you will follow. So, you know, that's what young people, they need to see which doors will open, that which for, form of communication they are most comfortable with that will lead to people understanding what they're trying to communicate. So that the communication is as good as possible. And that will lead to a satisfying goal in life, satisfying 
prospects of communication and acceptance. So this is, you know, for me, it's the visual. For other people, it's computers. For other people, it's medicine. So we all just have to figure out our best way of communicating. And I'm so glad you said that because I always like to ask my guests that if you were going to give advice to a younger you, I mean, and, and you did speak to that, just talking to young people. And even this biggest fear of rejection is not yes. just for young people, it's for everybody. Everybody, everybody yes. wants to be loved and accepted. And so, you know, thank you so much for, for saying that. So for the young artists out there, you are telling them just be yourself. If you feel that the door opens because this visual communication works for you, then continue on that path. However, if you feel that that connection is not there, then your road maybe lies on another trajectory. You just, you know, and that's the, the advantage of being young. You've got some time to waste. You and me, we got <laughs> we got to get with the, <laughs> get with the to system the here. Yeah, we got to get to the point. But when you're young, you have a little bit of time to waste and you can, you know, just try a few things out, you know. And, See what communicates best with the rest of the complicated world. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Thank you. That is so, such great advice. As we're rounding up, I just wanted us to talk about in preparation for birth, you know, as people are trying to, and we talk some about it. I just want us to talk about it again. A birth preparation course, such as a painting to prepare for birth course is an ideal way to strengthen the parents' bond with their child. Mothers and fathers alike, they create welcoming greeting for the child. Like you said, even Christmas ornaments or, you know, just even small things. These pictures can act as like bridges representing the mother or father's personal relationship with their unborn child. People that offer the course experience that the parents take the paintings that they do during these courses, these child preparation classes. They take the paintings home with them at the end of the course and it gives them a feeling, you know, they, they feel just great doing this. And they've been able to respect the invisible being that is yet to become visible. So has this been your experience I know you teach students. I wonder if you've taught any pregnant women. But, you know, what do you think? If there was a childbirth class that involved the mothers and the fathers and they could maybe try to paint something about this unseen individual, the baby, the unborn child, in all the process of creating bonding relationships, how, how do you see that process or that class helping the whole birth, pregnancy, bonding experience, removal of childbirth fear experience. How do you see that? Hmm, I can go so many ways with this. I mean, I can say like, okay, just to an unexperienced, inexperienced painter, just paint a picture of what you think your child's going to look like because the child's always going to look better than the picture. So the child... <laughs> I like that. <laughs> another way, <laughs> another direction we could go is like, you know, let's explore the fears about childbirth and then show some Jean-Michel Basquiat images and say, okay, just let it all go. Just throw it all out there, you know, just go crazy. And whatever you're afraid of, let's take that anxiety out of the birthing process and let's get it out now. Let's get it out here and give them a big canvas and some bold colors and big brushes and let them go to town with it, you know. I think that would be good. and Or you could 
start a painting and you could say now okay i'm gonna give this to my child and then after birth you and the child or the child when they're little they can continue on that painting so it becomes a before and after this is what i did before you're here and now you're completing the picture which is a passing on from of life from me to you the gift of life and so that could be a very symbolic painting so yeah i mean i'm just making it up here as i'm sitting here but i mean yes there are so many because it's such a magical process you know the childbirth and you you know it's nine months leading up to this big moment so yes that is incredibly inspiring and so many ideas can come from that wow you know we're recording from the bud center for natural deliveries foundation this is Coco Pods, a podcast of the foundation. And we just try to talk about all the issues that could positively impact women in and around pregnancy. We look for low resource solutions to things. And we're so fortunate to have Miss Yvonne Gabriel, my good friend from years back here. She is my world renowned artist. She's done so many great work. You know, as we close, I'm going to ask you for some Closing thoughts, you know, like, again, if you were going to advise a younger you, you know, you've been a mom, you've gone through the pregnancy thing, career as an artist, impacted so many people, you know, both you've done work for very important people and people the world will consider not so important People, nonetheless, you've worked for, done so many things for so many people. What would be some closing remarks that you would want to leave us with in this podcast? Wow, that's a big subject. How much time do I have, Bola? I think, you know, being an immigrant and coming to another country, raising your children here, it's all been, it, I'm not going to lie, that was challenging. And... You need to have core values. You need to have core values that you are not going to stray from. You need to have a set of beliefs. And no matter what you want to call that, whether that's your faith or whether that's Christianity or Islam, or you need to have a set of beliefs that you're going to hold on to and that when times are difficult, you need to return to those values and rely on them and search them and just spend enough time looking in that direction. I think there's a lot of distraction right now with social media. I think it's difficult for younger people because there's little time for contemplation and for the inner life because we immediately grab our phone. We don't give ourselves time to think. And, you know, this thinking has a function. This thinking in empty time has a function. But we don't allow that process to happen anymore. We immediately go to the phone and occupy our mind with content that is created by other people and that is designed in a way that it will take your time and that it will satisfy your brain. It's like mental fast food, mental fast food. We get addicted to it and we go to it. We can't resist it. We have to be aware of that, that it steals our brain, that it keeps us from reflecting on our inner life, that it keeps us from reflecting on building up an inner core of beliefs that we need if we want to be successful in this life. When you're going to start a family, when you're going to raise children, you don't even have time to look at this phone. What what are you going to rely on? You've been looking at this phone for years. What did it give you? What skills, what values did it give you that you can now fall back on in these complex situations and relationships and raising children? What do you have to fall back on? So that is that is basically 
my advice. You need to develop a core of beliefs. For me, that's my my faith. And that has, and I came from Holland, really not being occupied with that a whole lot. But definitely that has been the thing that I've been holding on to in good and in good and bad. All the glory goes to God and in difficult times, that's what, what I revert. So it doesn't have to be, you don't have to call it God, but you know, just the origins of whatever, whatever it is, you know, the origins of whatever created, if we talk about creation and art, the origin of what created all this. And I think that's what, you know, young people need to be careful with, that they develop a strong inner life, a strong inner core and inner belief of who they are. Oh, thank you. Well, I want to call it God, you know, and I think everybody is allowed to their space of what they believe in. But I just want you to tell us about two things. Where can we find your art, you know, because I know you have artwork out there. Where can we find your art? And do you have any projects coming up? My art can be found on my website. It's uh, ygabrielart.com. Y is the letter Y, not the W-H-Y, just Y as my first initial. Ygabrielart.com. Yes, thank you. you. And my, uh, I have a show coming up in uh, Macon. I'm very happy about this. My first show in hometown. Yay. <laughs> and so a lot of the paintings are going to be dealing with the relationship between the human and and the animal. It's not all dogs. There's a leopard in there. There's fish. There's all sorts of interesting relationships going on there. And that's going to be at the Macon Arts Alliance, downtown Macon, next to Tapped. And that's going to be there for the month of October. And the reception will be October 8th, first Friday, reception from 4 to 7. So I look forward to seeing you all there. Thank you. Also, for the Daybreak Center, if somebody wanted to volunteer or participate in the Daybreak Center, can you give us an advice as to how to get involved? Yes, I think you could just go to their website. Just Google Daybreak Macon, Georgia, and you will find their website and a telephone number. They'll be very happy to hear from you. It takes a couple of hours to get trained, and then they'll be able to plug you in where you are most needed. So, yes, that would be wonderful. Thanks for asking that. Yeah, and as for Sister Teresa. Sister Teresa, Teresa. yes, she's the one. All right, thank you so much. You're welcome. This has been very interesting discussion today with my dear friend Yvonne. Thank you so much for the way you have just contributed to enlightening us about all the possible good effects, art, art therapy, and all the therapies like this can have on a pregnant woman or a woman contemplating pregnancy. Thank you so much for coming to CocoaPods podcast. Well, I want to thank you for doing this, Bola. I mean, who takes the trouble here in Middle Georgia to make a show like this and to set on a podcast that can be a resource for people that they can listen to at home if they don't have community, if they don't have resources? I mean, just your voice being out there. You know, I mean, they know they can call you. They know they can contact you. And I know you will help them. So I think it's a wonderful thing that you're doing. You're a brave and courageous woman. And I'm just so thankful to have you here in middle Georgia. Thank you so much, Ms. Gabriel. Yvonne, my friend, thank you so much. You're very welcome. Thank you, Bola, for having me here. It was such a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you.